Live from the rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood, it's the St. Louis Realtor Podcast with your host, Adam Cruz. Hello, this is John Charlton at USA Mortgage, and this is your Mortgage Market Minute. So you own a home and you want to move. Upgrading, downsizing, relocating, this is an exciting thing, but it also can be anxiety-inducing. So to help you along, I want to introduce you to the three Ps of buying a new home while selling your current home. Simply put, the three Ps are just plan, plan, and plan. Number one, you need a financial game plan. Most of the anxiety people have with this process is tied to how they will navigate it financially. Will I have two mortgages? If so, for how long? How much will I need for a down payment? How much will my current home sell for? That brings me to point number two. Plan out your move with professionals. You should contact your loan officer, your realtor, and in some cases, your financial advisor to fill in the details of a timeline as to when you should be putting your home on the market, when you should close on your new home, and when you should actually move. Number three, execute that plan. It might sound cliche, but once your plan is in place, take it one step at a time. Need someone to help you with your plan? Call me, John Charlton, at USA Mortgage, 314-517-0262. Welcome, welcome everybody to the St. Louis Realtor Podcast, live from the rooftop of the Herman London Real Estate Group in beautiful downtown Maplewood, Missouri. I'm your host, Adam Cruz, broker owner of the Herman London Group, and I've got with me here my co-host, hello, Shannon St. Pierre, realtor extraordinaire. Yes, I'm a real estate agent here at Herman London, specializing mainly in the city. Mainly in the city. You're the city gal. Mainly in South City, yes. Mainly South City. Buyers, sellers, investors, a lot of investors Yeah, in the city. There's a lot of investors these days, isn't there? Yes. Okay, well, we're excited to have you today because we are going to go over this beautiful list that Shannon made, and she calls it 10 things to do to maximize the sales price of your home. Yes, so this is for sellers. And um, so I did a presentation the other day um, for a company. For It was a lunch and learn, um, which I occasionally do. And I really pared down the 10 things that really will help you maximize the sale price, no matter what your pricing strategy is, even if you're going to market as is. Let me ask you real quick. You, you went to some company's office and you made a presentation to them about selling their home, but it was not a real estate company? No, it was not a real estate company. So it was a company that does lunch and learns. Okay. You know, company. So just had a kind of a contact there. And so went in and did a seller's presentation. So someone watching the show, listening to the show today, would you go to their office and do a presentation like that too? Yes. So I have a buyer's presentation and a seller's presentation that I've done um, for these lunch and learns at, at companies. Interesting. Okay. Because we have lunch and learns here, but they're always usually like real estate related kind of. Right. And right. so there's other companies that are not real estate related. They're just trying to add value to their employees. Right. So it's a value add for the employees. They do these continual like educational things. Most of the companies just do a range of topics during their lunch and learn. So okay. anything from financial to health. Um, and then I have done, you know, some for buyers. And then this one was for potential. So for sellers. So Okay, and so here we are. We're the weekend before the Super Bowl, January twenty nineteen. Yes. We're kind of deciding or we've I've always heard and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but supposedly the weekend after the Super Bowl is the big weekend, the big push for people to start kind of buying houses. Right. So 
I don't know that I've necessarily heard that, but I think it would make a lot of sense specifically because of the timing. Yeah, you know, everyone always thinks, oh, the hot market is in the spring. And I guess it's just kind of gotten earlier over the years. People are just sort of start looking a little bit earlier and earlier. So I guess anyway, our point is that if you're thinking about selling your home, you're probably really thinking about it now because the holidays are past and all that kind of stuff. And we're going to give you 10 tips today, things you can do to make sure you get the top dollar for your property, right? Yes. So let's go ahead, Shannon, jump right in for us. Right. So these are the 10 things that really speak to the psyche of a buyer. So these play into those um, those hurdles that we tend to come against when we're showing buyers houses. Right. So by removing those hurdles, you're removing those objections and then thereby for it, um, getting a buyer closer to making an offer. Okay. So the more you can remove and take care of, the less they'll have in their heads and the more they're apt to make an offer. So number one, pre-inspections. So I don't know if you agree with this one or not. I feel like you would be, you're going to say no. Okay. I'm ready to debate. That's why I was like, I I was like, Oh, I don't agree with that one. I knew you wouldn't. I totally knew (laughs) you wouldn't. Okay. So tell me why you don't agree. Well, tell us what it is first. Okay. So pre-inspections are just, um, so the homeowner themselves has an inspection done um, by a certified home inspector just as a buyer will at some point when they get an offer on their home. So the point being is that you can have an inspector go through your home and determine, go and make a list of the things that need attention um, that can be fixed or... Okay, I don't. So I'm not saying that I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think we can talk about the pros and the cons. Okay. The pros are that the seller now knows what's coming, what right. they're looking at, like in terms of expenses and costs and fixes that the buyer's probably going to ask for. The pros to me are that the the seller can now do some of the work themselves, depending on what it is. They can do some of the work themselves or have their cousin come over and do some of the work or whatever it is as opposed to when a buyer does the inspection they request repairs now they're requesting certified or um, licensed Licensed, all these kinds of things and so it's going to cost you more to have the repair a simple handyman repair done versus doing it yourself yeah Uh, if you're if qualified so then the pros are then once the buyer gets the inspection done they won't find as many things ideally because they you know, they probably fixed a lot of this stuff already. Right. 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 Are there other pros that I'm missing? Yeah. So um, I think it is. I I don't think that when you go to sell your house, it's the time to stick your head in the sand. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you can only float on that river of denial for so long. Yeah. Okay. So I, I think it's just best to know. Be in the know. Know what buyers or buyer inspectors are going to find. And I think one of the best examples of why this is um, to your benefit is I had a buyer a couple months ago and they put an offer on a house and there were eight offers. We won. We were well over asking price. Um, Congrats. Yeah. But, winning at least. Yeah. Well, winning. Right. But here's the thing. So we go to do our inspections pretty quickly, actually. And it wasn't that there was anything major wrong, but there was a long list of stuff. I mean, even I was starting to feel overwhelmed. All kinds of little stuff, just tons of it though. And, um, 
she backed out of the contract. She oh. didn't even want to respond within on the inspection notice saying so your you, buyer didn't even want to make my any buyer request. said, you know what? This is just overwhelming. It, all this says to me basically is that they are not paying attention to the house and they weren't mm. taking care of it. I'm out. So we do a mutual release. We back out of the contract and, um, you know, I know for a fact that there's no way all seven of those other buyers could have found homes in that short amount of time. Mm -hmm. However, it went back on the market and it sat on the market. So those other seven buyers clearly didn't want it either because now they're going, oh, it must be defective. And even though they had this this inspection report to possibly show the other buyer's agents, Mm -hmm. they were just in their head. It's a whole new mindset. Okay. And so so, um, it sat on the market and ended up selling... Um, for well under the original asking price. Okay, so we don't know. The point is we don't know what the psyche of the buyer is going to be, right? And so they were freaked out about it. They thought this house must have been owned by scumbags, essentially, who don't know how to and then, not scumbags, take any care of their home. Basically. They just not paying attention, not doing the maintenance. And not they scumbags, were, you're right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it just wasn't, yeah, it was just a lot of stuff. Okay. So I think having a pre-inspection gives you that opportunity to button up the house and address those, um, it, all those little fixes, you know, that you can hire a handyman to come over and, and address. And then it, it just looks like you're paying attention and that you're taking care of the house. And okay. that, to the psyche of a buyer, says, hey, if you're taking care of this house, this is a really great, solid investment. I want someone who's been taking care of a house. What if I get my home inspected and I find out about some big problem with the home? Now I have to disclose it. Right. But so again, um, that river of denial is only, you know, going to. I love that. Okay. So it's only so good for so long. So the buyer was going to find it anyway. The, the buyers, if it's a true major defect, I don't care if it's a um, inept home inspector, they're probably most likely going to find it anyway. So again, it. This is just getting ahead of it. And it allows you to go to market and say, okay, um, I'm not going to fix it. I'm not going to address it. But here we're going to appropriately price the house. And we're going to disclose it because we're going to just be honest. Or, and um, it allows you to go maybe get um, some information on how it can be fixed and what the cost would be and then that it can be presented to potential buyers. Because the worst thing you can do is just leave it up to buyers thinking – you know, because they think, oh, my gosh, it's going to cost a million dollars. I'm like, the house doesn't cost 200000 But in their heads, they're going, but this is going to cost a million dollars. So it's just, it's the worst and scariest scenarios. And the uh, unknown is always worse than just having the facts. Well, I do totally agree with that. I think, you know, we're, we're walking through a house, we're with a buyer, and they see something that needs to be fixed, right? Like, oh, the, there's a, a leak in the roof, you know, or something like that. Right. You know, and the... And the um, ceiling of the bathroom on the first floor, right? And they just assume, oh, gosh, that's going to be thousands to fix that. Right. right? We're going to have to rip out this whole bathroom. We're gonna, oh, my gosh, we're tearing the house down. But <laughs> yeah. so they assume that it's going to cost a lot, and so they might not even buy the house. Or when they do make their request, they will ask for a ton of money. And your point is, hey, either fix it ahead of time so they don't – that it's not even like – Right, issue. address the issue and then fix whatever damage occurred. Or if occurred. you don't want to or you can't or whatever, depending on what the thing is, would you just like take the bid and tape it right on the thing and go, hey, here's the bid. It's going to be $200 to fix. 
Yeah, or, you know, where the book is, the sign-in book. I would just yeah. leave out some information for it. And I do think that you can use these pre-inspections for um, marketing as well. So you can leave them out, um, give agents access, or have the a copy sitting out on the, the counter when buyers come to the home. Because I think when, again, you're taking away that unknown. Yeah. And now they at least know. And people rather know and feel like they know what they're getting into. And it's easier for them to make an offer. Should the seller expect that the buyer is not going to get their own inspection? Now? I sh- no way. No way. I don't. Um, I think that if a buyer's agent is um, working in the best interest of the buyer, they're going to highly still encourage. Yes, they're still going to get their own inspection. And that inspector is certainly going to come up with their own list of stuff. They're going to find different things, but it's not going to be a long list. And, um, and at least you'll know if there's anything major. So, okay, when you when I first read this and you said I was going to be against it, and I was, I was thinking, like, don't, don't bother having them over. Just have us over. We can come over and kind of, like, point out the things that people are going to see. I think you may have convinced me that it's not a bad idea. I rock. What you do? <laughs> what all inspections should the seller do? Should they do radon and sewer lateral? I mean, they should do sewer lateral, don't you think? Um, I think, you know... I rarely have anyone that's ever going to walk on a sewer lateral. Um, I think it's just usually the, I would just have the main building inspection done. So why not the sewer lateral? Go right ahead. Um, because I do think that that. Because the buyer's a, not going to walk away from it because they're going to assume the seller's going to pay for it. Yes. Yeah. Same thing with radon. And sewer lateral, you go fix the sewer lateral. It's one thing versus going, um, here, you need to do this, 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 yeah. and creating this really long list of things. And I'd, it's a pretty expensive, I'd say, save the money, put it towards the building inspection, and make the house look buttoned up. Okay. I think we beat that one to death. Yep. We do want them to have us over, though, right, and kind of talk about what we see and what we notice and little things, because the inspector is not going to point out, like, oh, the baseboards need to be touched up. Okay, so, yeah. Well, Am I jumping ahead? Yeah. Sorry. All right. What's the next one? So, number two, curb appeal. So, most often people think, okay, let's throw out a nice potted, colorful plant or something of the sort, um, maybe a few bushes. But this is really much more about taking a methodical approach um, for the exterior, just as you would for the interior. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's these companies that come out and will wash roofs. Do power washing. Yeah. So from literally top to bottom, you can make a roof look in great condition, if not almost new, by just power washing it. Curb appeal is always all about kind of like first impressions matter type of thing. Yeah. So, I mean, from the moment that someone pulls up to your house, you want everything to be just as pristine um, as as we're going to talk about as inside because... You don't want them to start creating this mental list of things that need to be done. Like, oh, the front porch needs to be painted. Hmm, that roof is looking a little old. I wonder how old the roof is. You know how old yeah. the roof is? And all those questions that start to come up that keep them from moving forward to that finish line, that finish line being an offer. Well, you know, on our website at HermanLondon.com, we have um, where people can download and get like our home staging guides and stuff yes, like that. Yes, so it's a step-by-step, room-by-room guide. Step-by-step, room-by-room guide. But one of the things that was interesting to me in that guide is it talks about, like, the front door. You know, as realtors, we're often the ones kind of opening the front door. But you go up, and if the front door is kind of, like, all beaten up and scratched around the handle and the doorknob's all junky and stuff, 
it does totally set a first impression, you know? Right. And I think what sellers have to remember is that realtors are walking up to that front door and they're not just walking through it. You're standing there for a good 30 seconds mm-hmm. to a minute at least yeah. while we're getting the key out. So in that time frame, buyers are sitting there looking around, looking up, looking down, and they're starting to make mental notes if things need attention. And so already that list begins, and so do the objections. Okay, love it. Uh, we've had, you do get a couple sort of nice weekends throughout the winter. This weekend, uh, it was snowing on Saturday, and then it was like 45. Yeah, this past weekend, maybe not so great. But the this next couple of, weekends are going to be great. Well, it was I a think. good day to, I went to one of my rental properties, and I was working and stuff. It was a good day to get out and do these kind of home projects. Yes, yes. All right, what's next? So number three, cleaning. So this is a big thing of mine, and I always, I think I've said this to you before, and I think I've said it in other podcasts too. I think a home should be white glove clean. And what I mean by that is someone should be able to walk into a home with a, a, a pair of white gloves and um, wipe, take their hands across any and every surface. So the top of door jams, all the lighting fixtures, all the way down to the baseboards, and still walk out with white gloves. I'm having flashbacks to my childhood. My mom would come and check my cleaning job, and she would always find somewhere to look that I'm like, I didn't think to clean that. Yeah, and most people do. So I will say that the, most people can get so many of these um, items on this list dead on right and spectacular. And cleaning is the one that people fall off on all the time. So it's just, and it's not personal. I mean, this is just business, right? So selling your house really needs to come from a point of information, not emotional standpoint. So I really encourage that you hire a cleaning service, unless you're really willing to go from corner to corner, from top to bottom, get on your hands and knees and start scrubbing baseboards and walls and lighting fixtures and light switches and all these sort. Um, hire a cleaning service that does this. It's well worth the money. And when someone walks into a house that's absolutely spotless, it again plays into that psyche that the totally. home was well cared for. And it's a, and so it starts to calm their nerves. And every buyer is different. And some buyers are super sensitive to that kind of stuff. And you, you know, I can picture somebody going, this is icky. I want to go. Right. right. And it happens all the time. So I can't tell you how often, like I'll be sitting in a home that has so many of these things right and yet we will be there, um, yet the buyers will be like, so are they going to clean? And I'm like, uh, no, this is clean because this yeah. is on the market. Here you go. And then they go, can we ask to have it cleaned? Yeah. No, is always my response because I'm like, then what? Clean how? You want to hire somebody? But then what? Then we need to give them a list. And then it just gets, starts to get complicated. And this conversation starts to get out of control a little bit. And then they start just kind of going, oh, and they back down and the whole excitement starts to deflate. Yeah, we really talk about cleaning a lot with property management stuff because, you know, we have to have tenants clean and stuff like that. And everyone's definition of clean is definitely different. Your definition is absolutely different than my definition. Right. And, you know... You, you're, I guess what you're saying is let's make it so the buyer doesn't have to think about that so the conversation doesn't even right. come up. Each of these really are about take, removing those hurdles, those objections, and those questions. Because most likely, even the seller, no matter who they hire, they're probably still not going to be perfectly satisfied because cleaning companies even don't do a perfect job. Yeah, and there are some that kind of specialize in this. But um, right, so hire a cleaning service to do a majority of it. Make sure you tell them to get on their hands and knees and start doing the baseboards. Do it all. Right. You're not hiring them to do your laundry. You're hiring them to do the lighting fixtures, the light switches, the doors, 
Yeah, the stuff that you probably have sort of not even noticed, maybe because you you clean your house all the time. Let's assume everyone on this podcast cleans their houses all the time, right, on a regular basis. And so, but they probably there are probably things that they're not cleaning that they don't even see, right. And some people just don't. That's just you know. Um, I mean, husbands and wives have different definitions of cleaning. I mean, you know, unless a dust bunny is literally biting my husband in the butt, like what? Like yeah. where I'm like, I like everything dusted. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember years ago with our office, I, I just don't notice things that are that dirty. And you, you guys, I think you even had to come to me like, can we have the office cleaned a little bit more often? I'm like, what do you mean? Right. And so I'm like, oh, I never even noticed. But yeah, so now we do. And yeah, so. Okay. Number four. So the smell test. and The um, smell test? The smell test. Okay. You know, every home has a smell. And um, again, it's not personal. It's just cooking. Odors from cooking, living life, odors, pets, cleaning, burning candles. All that just kind of settles into the fabrics of your home and create a smell. So it's not that it's necessarily bad. Um, I certainly have come and in, gone into homes where it is slightly offensive. Yeah. I mean, and if that's literally the only thing in the entire world that's wrong with that home, this is not going to inhibit somebody from making an offer, perhaps. But when you, it's again, this is all about playing into that psyche of the buyer and removing anything that could become an objection. And these are the things that you have true control over. So you need to go through this kind of goes in hand in hand with the cleaning and you need to wash everything. So take down curtains. If they can't be washed, throw them in the dryer for 10, 15, 20 minutes with the dryer sheet with a couple drops of essential oil to freshen them up. Same thing with pillows, but bedspreads, bed skirts, any, um, everything that can be washed, wash it there. If it can be, at least they're in the dryer. Do that as far as rugs and um, couches, you know, Febreze. Are we going to talk about friend. painting later or can I talk about it now? Um, we are going to talk about painting, but it kind of goes hand. I think some painting, painting might help with the smell. basically. Yeah. So because smells, believe it or not, really do embed into the walls. I mean, and there's nothing better of an example than a smoker mm-hmm. as a house that has a smoker inside it absorbs into the wall. So you can do um, um, paint by just by painting the wall. You will take care of a lot of that smell too. And then have you ever used an ionizer? I have not though. Um, I have brought it up for like someone when we're looking at a house where there's an obvious smoker. Yeah. We, uh, one of my rental properties recently, the tenants moved out and they smoked and uh, actually they had like a guest there for like two weeks who smoked in the house. And so I had to hire a company that brought out an ionizer. Did it work? It did, actually. Okay. It's crazy. It worked. Okay, but you can hire a company. You can rent it versus having to buy it, right? Yeah. It's funny because looking into it, I think I paid more to have them come out to do their ionization than I would have if I just bought the machine myself. That's it. Okay. But I think that was because like... They did their normal service, and then they ended up leaving it extra long because there was like the smell didn't go away or something like that. But uh, it was expensive. I think I paid five hundred dollars to have it ionized. Um, but I guess our thought was that I would have gotten at least five hundred dollars less if it would have smelled like smoke. Yes. Or I would have had to like repaint everything. Yeah. You know, which I don't want to paint the whole house. So. And then cost you at least five hundred dollars to have someone come in and paint. Yeah, so if you have a really bad smell, you can consider using an ionizer. 
You're and opening up windows for a couple of minutes yeah, every day windows. to kind of just do the full air exchange in addition to those other things we just mentioned. You mentioned Glade plugins are not a solution. I do. Oh, gosh. Have you not walked into a house where they just... It's too do, much smell. Oh, and it's nauseating. And I've had buyers turn around and walk out and end tours of the home early just because it's too overwhelming. Okay. So we, we want to get rid of the smell yeah, problem. Yeah, not cover not it up because cover it covering up. up doesn't work. It just mixes with it and makes it worse. Number five. Declutter, 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 and then go through and declutter again. Is it, are you this, the, what's the new Netflix show everybody's watching? Oh, right. Kamari. Is it, it's right. like tidying up or something like that? Yes. No. So it's all about that though, right? It's not really all about that, but it really is about moving. Um, you, you know what? You're moving. Pack it up anyway. Pack up everything that you, that's not essential to this process um, or adds to the house and, um, you know, put it away. I, I don't recommend necessarily just throwing it into the basement or... The garage, you know how you've walked in the garages and opened a door and mm-hmm. it's just, totally bam, full. yeah, cause so full of boxes. Because that just conveys there's not enough room in the home itself. So I do highly recommend getting a storage unit or one of those pods that they will deliver to your house and you can fill it up. They'll come and take it away and then de- deliver it to you wherever your new place is. Okay, so... Um Sometimes when I go to somebody's house and I'm kind of, you know, we're talking about what to do to get the home ready and we're in the kitchen and I'm like, oh boy, how am I going to handle this one? You know? And then I say, you get to have two things on the counter. Right. Everything else is gone. And they look at me like I'm crazy. Like, what about my coffee maker? I'm like, all right, that's one. You know, what about my knife block? Probably could put that in a cabinet or something, right? Like, right. Event, you can legit get rid of everything on the counters. Well, part of the decluttering process is going through every cabinet, every closet, every drawer, and taking out everything that you don't need during this process. Because again, if it's not a newsflash, guess what? Buyers open up cabinets, they open yeah. up closets, and things are just shoved in there. Then, or they're crowded. Then, just says there's not enough room. There's not. It's not spacious. So you, I, I actually really like this one. So this has a few benefits. It's depersonalizing the home because they want the buyer to feel like it's their home, not your home, right? It's making the home look bigger, like in our example of the countertops or like a living room that has just kind of toys and extra cabinets and all this kind of weird stuff everywhere. And then also it's going to make moving easier. Right. Um, right. So, I mean, like I said, you are moving, so it's just getting a really big head start. So when you think about how much you should pack up and what declutter means, um, I'm like 70% should be gone, packed up. Um, and, and to your point that you just said too, you need to depersonalize. So take down all the personal photos. I think anything that's collectible, you know, a lot of people have these collections of whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, all that needs to be packed away because, uh, I'm sure you experience this. Don't your buyers, if they start to see personal photos, they go to the person. Yeah, they we just start de- looking at them. Yep. I know this person. Yep. Was and like, and then they start talking, like it draws their attention away from focusing in on the house yeah. and as does, um, collectibles because right. people stop and look at them and go, Oh wow, this is really interesting. And then. The conversation diverts. Yeah, like to something this guy really likes He Man. Like, okay, but that doesn't matter. This is supposed to be your house, but like now I'm going to think of this room as the He Man room. Yes, right? they do. I know when I moved, we moved about a year ago, and 
as we were moving, I'm going, I really wish I would have gone through the stuff and thrown it away. I'm getting mad. I'm like, I really think we need to have a garage sale now. You know, and then all we did is we just put it right down into the basement. Right. So this is a great time to start donating it, have a garage sale, get rid of it. I mean, the more you lower your moving costs too. The more you have to move. Right. Okay, number six. Ding. Here, repairs and updates. Repairs and updates. But repairs are different than the updates. So the repairs are those things that you've been putting off, you know, like um, anything that's duct taped in your house probably <laughs> needs to now. Um, and those ingenious DIY projects that you're very proud of yourself on. Um, I, I, it's time to um, pay the piper. I had a friend whose house we'd go to growing up and they had a fan in their living room and it was <laughs> oh. missing a blade. Okay. And it was just like, it kind of was like wonky <laughs> all the time, you know, but for years I would go over there and the same fan was there. And to them, that's like a member of the family or something now, right? It's like, that's our fan, you know? But but you the, don't see it after a while. All those little... They, yeah, that's exactly right. They don't see it. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I have those. I, ha- I know that, you know, there's, you know, so those tiny holes in the somewhere or the mm. broken drawers, the, you know, missing knobs. You don't see it. My sink at home, when you turn it off in our kitchen... You turn it off and you kind of have to move it a little bit to the right for the water not to drip a little bit, you know? Yeah. That's something I should definitely fix before but I But why? It doesn't affect your living, you know, how to work it, and right. life is busy, and it's crazy, and it's only going to get busier and crazier. So Everyone's house those. has that stuff. Everyone's right? house has those things. So now's the time to go room to room and determine what is broke, what needs attention, and call in the appropriate... Um, the handyman, plumber, electrician, whatever it is, and just address those items. Okay, now you're going to talk about updates because I've got some comments after you comment. I know you do. So, yeah, so the updates can range from anything minor to major. But I think people think some of these updates just are over the top. And the, there are some really simple things you can do, including painting, um, updating lighting fixtures. Um, if you don't have all white outlets, that's another thing. Um, plumbing fixtures possibly are all very simple, very inexpensive things that you can do to really reface a home. So here's a common objection that we get from the seller, right? Well, I don't know what the buyer's going to want, so I don't want to spend money painting this room if they're just going to come in and paint it a different color. Right. And so they say, and it's not about, they're, like, they're going to paint anyway. Why do I have to paint? Right. I don't want to pay for new carpet if they're just going to rip the carpet up and put down new carpet because they don't like my carpet. Right. What do we say to that, Shannon? So um, so when I do this presenta- presentation, I have a couple examples, like images. So one of which is like a kitchen that has this bright, bold, red color paint mm-hmm. um and it's certainly a personal choice and it's very bright it's very bold it's you know um it's something that i think a lot of homeowners or some homeowners would enjoy however then it gives you the after of where they took the paint color and they did something a little bit more neutral and it was just so much more calming and soothing and it really um made this space feel more updated honestly so the answer is go neutral. Yeah, go neutral because here at the 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 bottom line is that a homeowner wants or a potential buyer wants 
to feel like they're buying something that is truly move-in ready. Mm -hmm. Now, we overuse that term, but move-in ready means that the buyer doesn't feel like they have to do anything before they move into the house or as soon as they move into the house. So painting like a bold, bright, you know, red is something someone's, most people are going to be like, oh, we have to paint that. Yeah. So it's not really moving ready. Now you're starting to create these objections. So can the seller just go into walk into Home Depot or Sherwin Williams or wherever and say, I would like a gallon of your most popular color? Yeah. Go ahead and get five gallons. And well, yes. I, mean, I would like five gallons of your most popular color. Get that five gallon bucket. And yeah, just go through and start painting everything a very neutral color. Is that a bad idea? I mean, why would, why would, no, tell because me why I have walked into Sherwin Williams uh, trying to pick out a paint color for a rehab. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you say gray, like, ugh, there's like a hundred, right? Grays, lights. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- they'll pick it out and they're like, though, this has been the most popular. Go with that one. Yeah. What carpet should know. I get? The one you sell the most of. Yeah. Right? What's something neutral? I'm selling my house. And they'll be like, oh, here you go. Okay. So it's it's pretty simple. Now, I think the other thing that, that people can do is reface cabinets. And this isn't really a... Um, what do you mean Super when you say thing. reface? Paint so basically or buy paint. New ones? Basically paint. paint them. Okay. Um, so you know, in this example I have on the um, the slideshow that I do is there's a couple bathrooms. So one in particular has an oak cabinet, right? And the this flat, large mirror and a lighting fixture. It just screams '90s, right? Mm-hmm. So by just simply updating the the lighting fixture. They didn't change the mirror, but they did add a frame to it. They painted the cabinet and painted the bathroom itself. It completely looked updated. So you took Love something it. from directly from the 90s and made it look like it was right on trend with today. Perfect. I mean, so you can do this with kitchen cabinets as well. So if you have those older, uh, I'm not necessarily older, but if you have oak cabinets, they're very easy to paint. Um, if you're pretty confident in your painting skills and they have special paint painting products for cabinets that you can get. Um, and changing out a few lighting fixtures, even adding a backsplash. If you want to take it up a notch, change out the countertops. None of that is major. Um, but it most certainly has a huge impact. So in this, we're saying do the repairs that you found in the inspection and any repairs that you've been ignoring. And any repairs that you've been ignoring because yes. they might like the they might not come up in the inspection, right? Right. But then also um, do some of these updates. And the big thing is that it let's say it costs twenty dollars to paint the cabinet, right? Right. And you think, well, why doesn't the buyer just do that? Because they maybe can't have that vision. They just don't see it, or they don't want to do it, or something, right? Right. But by you doing it. Now it's not even a question. It's already done. And I believe that they will absolutely get more money for their home and sell it faster if they do some of these updates that they know the next buyer is going to want. Absolutely. So some of these bathroom examples and, and most especially the the kitchen examples that I have, it, um, it it's completely night and day just by doing some simple things. And it's not major construction. You're not ripping out the whole kitchen but you're certainly changing up a few things and for just a few hundred bucks to maybe a few thousand dollars, but you're going to get that back exponentially many times over. And I I will say, I think it's frustrating. It's, it's absolutely true. I give in it's, you should do this. I just think it's frustrating and you might feel it too, 
to go and replace a perfectly good doorknob, a brass one or whatever, with a new uh, brushed nickel doorknob, right? And do it for your whole house and spend your afternoon doing it. It's like, why? This doorknob works. Why am I doing this? Well, you could spray paint those. (laughs) So you're not wasting. There you go. But But the point is, you will get more money. That's why. That's your only reason why. Because people want... The updated stuff. Right. And so take those uh, perfectly good hardware uh-huh. um, and go donate it to the ReStore or something like that. Don't just throw yeah. that stuff away because I would agree. So you're taking these plumbing fixtures that are just fine. Um, but to create this um, refreshed look and something that's updated so that you can get you know, way more for your house is worth it. You know, talk to talk to your realtor too. Like this is a, a big part of having us over. You know, I think I've had a client in the past where I had miscommunication, and we yeah. were getting feedback. Oh, the buyers aren't liking it because the home's not updated. The home's not updated, right? And then he would call me and he'd go, "I put in a new furnace," and right. I'm like, "That's cool." Our feedback is still that the home's not updated, right? And he's like, "So updates are subjective." So yeah. updates in his case meant all aesthetic. Is aesthetic the word I want? No. All. What, what, so, word, what word do I want? What we wanted systems. him to do. So he's like doing the roof and the furnace. He was and doing the, the wrong stuff. And what he needed to be doing was painting and putting in new plumbing or uh, bathroom vanities and stuff. Right. So this is, before you go through all this list, this is most certainly the stuff that you can start taking charge of. However, I think it's also really important to talk to a real estate agent prior to diving into the updates portion of it, just okay. because uh, updates are subjective. And so you also need to figure out who your target market is. So um, if you, you know, if it's a first time home buyer, they, they might be like, Oh, that's great. It's new roof, new furnace, new, 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 but uh, this kitchen's outdated. Yeah, they didn't they just care. Can't, yeah. These they don't didn't care. care. Um, but if it's a second, third time home buyer, it is very good chance that they will see the value in the updated systems and they're the ones that have some experience and feel like they could maybe tackle some of the cosmetics. We had buyers that would come to the open house. They would see the blue carpet and they would literally be like backing out while they're like, but it's like <laughs> new furnace though. Hold on. Like upgraded <laughs> siding. It is the better siding here than in normal houses. You know, they didn't care. No. So this stuff is important. So I think that there is a happy medium. You do need to know who your, um, Target market is who who might be your potential buyer. But they, you know, we keep saying have a realtor over, but literally, you and I both on our own have been through hundreds, if not thousands, of homes with buyers, and we've seen how they react to these things. And so we can come over and we can give, basically, share that information that we've been collecting over the years, right? Yes. Like here's what they're going to think. You know, I may or may not say. agree with it, but here's what they're going to say. But again, it's not it's not personal. It's, and I think that's a, the hardest thing about selling your house is like is the mental aspect too. you know, home is where the heart is. We love these homes and we've spent yeah. so much of our lives here. But if you really can't approach it from a business standpoint and disconnect emotionally from it, you will make more money okay. too. instead of just being emotional. And um, so that's why I do think that the, the agents can. Number seven. Oh, so this is kind of seven and eight. So I feel like sometimes these go hand in hand. And um, I, when I was talking about these in workshops, I felt my I found myself going back and forth and combining okay. these two. Seven so and eight. Seven and eight is staging and photos. And you know, my, I I I'm definitely one of those that I run around the office and I will scream about photos all the time. Right. 
There's all sorts of like Facebook groups about bad photos and stuff. Pet peeves. So let's talk about staging first, though. You have it as number seven. I do. So I do think that one of the things that you should take into serious consideration is staging. So if in the dream scenario is you buy your next place, your new home prior to selling your other home so that you can move out. And for one, you make the home totally accessible around around the clock, not around your schedule. And then number two, have it professionally staged. There's just something, homes, undoubtedly, this is, it's not even argumentative, sell for more, sell faster when they're professionally staged. So tell me, uh, there's two different types of staging, right? right. So that's the, first, the, that's the best case scenario. Then the, if move, buying a new home before you move or sell is not an option, it's still hiring a professional stager to come into the home and um, rearrange your furniture to kind of use your own stuff in a staged manner. So we kind of set up our furniture to for everyday living. So a lot of times in some of these examples I'll give is it's kind of all around the TV, but that's not necessarily what is the most attractive mm-hmm. or makes it look the most spacious. So still a professional stager will come into the home and and um, kind of use your accessories, move things around to really make it um, maximize it, the space and the look and the feel. I know that when I go on a listing appointment with somebody, often they ask me a little bit about like, what should I do? Like, should I change this? How should I, should I move this around or whatever? And I, I like to tell people that I will bring in a stager, you know, my girl. And mm-hmm. she'll come in and kind of suggest things to do to someone's home that where their furniture is all still there. Yes. You know, and she took, for example, uh, they had like a floral bedspread and she said, oh, the other side is white. So she flipped the bedspread over. Right. You know, and little stuff like that. And then Lots that's a it. big step. I've had her come into um, my home and we flipped rooms around. So the dining room is now the living room. Living oh, really? Room is now the dining room. So it's just what makes sense with what you maybe you have. She's also really good at, um, I think, having that third opinion of you know, decluttering or maybe mm-hmm. only using a few accessories. So I do, you know, I think one thing you can do when you're trying to go through this decluttering process is put off some of the, those accessories and those decorations off to the side. And then I, I kind of go in and say, show her, you know, it's like, so here's the pile of stuff that might work and she will pick and choose and turn things around yeah. and pull a rug from one room, put it in another mm-hmm. and then put this over here and that over there. And so she, um, so it's not bad to leave out some of those items, but so. But then, if you are a person who's moved and, and the house is vacant, yes. then we strongly think that you should hire a staging company to bring in furniture and accessories, modern furniture, modern accessories, stage the home to make it look great. And because if a, if a buyer walks through a vacant home, a they can't picture it, and often they go, "Would my sofa even fit in here?" Right. Right. And more and. Uh, additionally, they're pointing out now they're seeing like the bad paint job or the crack in the um, floorboard Plaster. or whatever, like anything like that. So they're seeing all the imperfections more than they would if there was staging and they go, look how pretty this is. Look how great this could be to look Right. At. So the staging diverts your attention and it makes it feel like this place you want to be. And it's also buying that. It, it's like it's a, it really does play into the psychology, too, of the mindset of going, I've, I want this. I want, a, I want a home that's this 
the, this cute, you know, uh-huh. or this. Yeah. So even though that's not their furniture, they're kind of almost sometimes buying into the furniture. Yeah, totally. More than they are yeah. the house. But they want to feel like that that's something that they can attain, obtain. And it's just. It's a marketing trick that's been used over and over forever, years, you know. And you know, my decades. brother owns a staging company. But yeah. one of the, the, the reason I bring that up, hey, Nick, but the reason I bring that up <laughs> is because people are often, they're tired of spending money before they list their house, right? And so one of the cool things is you can find his company or other companies that will let you pay for the staging at closing. Yes. Which is nice because, like I say, people are just tired of shelling out money. Now they've paid for inspections and all these updates, and we've re- changed out all the doorknobs and all this kind of stuff. So it's nice to have a company who will kind of work with you on and that. And it is. I mean, no one said that selling your house is cheap. I mean, if you're going to do it right, it does take some money, which was why I think you should also talk to a lender at the very beginning of the process to see what the options are. Can you buy before you sell? Can, um, lines of credit are going to be very helpful during this process to kind of get you through. But our opinion is everything we're telling you to do today that you will have to take money out of your wallet and spend money on, you will get more money back. Is that right? Exponentially. Okay. Many times over. So if you're doing these things, you're removing all those objections. You're going to get to a buyer to get give you an offer. You're going to get an offer sooner and for more than if you don't do these things. And your house will sit on the market for a really long time. So photos. Number eight. <clears throat> photos Ding. are my... Oh, it's such a pet peeve. I still I really don't get it. And I don't understand why the industry isn't what? calling up agents that use cell phones. You, you cell phones do not pick up angles. They but my cell phone's got 12 megapixels. Okay, and that's great. That's a really good size photo. It does not capture like it does not open up and allow you to see the room no i have yet to see anyone use a cell phone and that has really good dynamic pictures and if you can't pull in someone to even look at your house i mean if a photo is worth a thousand words right it's got to be worth at least worth a few thousand dollars the photos in real estate incredibly important i would definitely agree the photos in our case, are paid for by the realtor. Yes. Right? And it's our professional photos, I should say. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone so, is looking for at the home online, so all they're seeing is these photos. Right. Right? So we have to have really good photos. Right. So I think it's a way that realtors cut corners is by just running around taking pictures with their cell phone. And the worst is that they take these vertical photos with their cell phone, right? Mm-hmm. So vertical but your brain does not see vertically it sees horizontally really so you're when you're looking online you can't your your buyers are passing up those homes quicker than anything you know they're not reading descriptions if the photos don't draw them in they don't even go through the entire selection of photos or try to read and cell phones just when you scroll through those they just pick up corners. I'm like, what am I looking at? What corner of what room is this? How You can't get an, a feel for the layout. And then I feel like there's you get pictures of furniture. I'm like, am I buying furniture or a house? <laughs> so it's not just about the number of megapixels or whatever. It's about the lens, the angles of the lens. It's about the photographer's knowledge of how to make the room look the best, how to make the lighting look the best, right? How to have the blinds open a certain way so you can see through them and it makes the room look better or something, you know, right? It's, right. There's a lot that goes into I it. I mean, your photos are your first line of defense. I mean, if you don't have good photos, you've got nothing. I, I mean, we can, we can go on and on about photos for it's, sure. It's just, 
you know, really interesting. We've seen people who literally in the house photo, you can see their side view mirror in the photo because they're literally <laughs> taking the photo from their car with their cell phone. That's as bad as it gets, in my opinion, you know? Yes. That's about as bad as it gets because that's just extremely lazy. And then you will get some photos where, like, you can see somebody in the mirror in the bathroom, whatever. You know, that's also lazy and unprofessional and sort of funny, I guess. But the, the photos are super important. I think they're very important. And I think I, I'm, I really am shocked and surprised. I don't know if um, sellers aren't going on to the MLS or on Zillow or whatever once they're act- their listing is active and looking. I mean, sellers need to take an active role in this process. That's what these 10 things really are about, right? So taking an active role, being in the driver's seat, an agent can only do so much for you. So, um, What's your opinion about the number of photos? You know, I think we disagree on this sometimes. Um, so I don't think that you need to have 100 photos. Mm-hmm. I think 30 and 40, I feel like you, as long as you can get a feel for the layout and the selling points of the house. But I think that you should also be showing... Every bathroom, mm-hmm. maybe a picture of the basement or every room, because the only thing that if you leave it unknown, then we go back to that unknown space for the buyer and going, oh, he says there's two bathrooms. Where's the other bathroom? Mm-hmm. Oh, it must be really bad. Okay. So yeah. I, I'll have to redo a bathroom if I go into that house. So I'm a fan of enough photos. You know, I don't want to have two photos or something like that. I'm kind of like, it depends on the house size, but I'm kind of like a 15 to 20 photo guy. You know, I like the photographer to take a hundred and send me a hundred and you know, where everything is based on our past experiences. Mm-hmm. And so I had this experience like 10 years ago where the client was looking through homes and he would look through the homes. And my perspective is that what he was doing is he was looking for reasons to not like a home so he could go to the next one. Because there's too many homes for him to look at, right? Okay. And so he would look at one, click, click, click. Oh, pink bathroom, hate it. On to the next house, right? And he was like, I felt like he was looking for reasons not to like a home. And so then it amazed me. He got to another, the next home or whatever, and it had zero photos. Zero photos whatsoever. And he said, this one's interesting to me. I want to go see this one. And? We did. We went and saw it. And? I don't know. It was 10 years ago. I don't, so that's, clearly I don't he didn't buy the, it because then you would have finished out your story with, and he bought it. Yeah, but my point is we went. And I'd rather people okay, come so over. Like, give me enough photos totally so that disagree. the buyers come over. You don't get a prize for uh, the, most a, showings? the most showings. So you don't want just a bunch of buyers coming over. And if I were a seller, I don't want a bunch of buyers wrecking my daily schedule. Because mm-hmm. I'm still living in the house, so I mean that. I mean, which is why it's great if you can vacate the house. But if you're still living in the house, yeah, it it truly is. Especially if you have pets or kids, it's so disruptive. This so, whole process. So, so is there like a compromise where we show enough but not too much? I think you like that. No, house I the, just think you need to show. This is the bathroom. This is another bathroom. I don't need. You don't need five photos of like from every angle. This house with the pink bathroom that he skipped. Mm-hmm. He might have loved it if we would have gone there. It might have been the best street and the coolest kitchen and the most updated Yeah, but updated would he have knocked it off anyway because it had a I pink don't think bathroom? So. I don't think so. I think he still would have bought it even though it had a pink bathroom if he loved all the other elements of the home. And I might be wrong. I don't, you know, I have no proof for that. But Yeah, I think that, that that's a rare scenario. I think that yeah. the buyers today are so used to everything being 
um, and information being available to them mm-hmm. that they're like, if you don't and you aren't providing the information, then you're hiding something. And there what are you, you hiding? And then, then we get back to that. Two different perspectives. Yes, very. You heard it here first. <laughs> Any other photo comments? Um, no, yeah, I think you just when your listing goes live, go look at your listing Absolutely. online and make Hold sure your that agent the, accountable. Right? Yes. Make sure the information in the MLS is correct. Number one. Number two, make sure, you know, the photos really showcase your, your house in the best light. Um, you know what photos now there's also the, the camera tricks that make a super tiny room look the like it's a mega, um, room not just with the fisheye there's other lenses too that that take out the fisheye but it's kind of that perspective Uh so you don't again you don't get a prize for the most showings you don't want to necessarily deceive buyers into coming to look at your home and then they're disappointed by that teeny tiny room um so i think they need to be honest but in the best light i'm gonna have to think a lot more about what you're saying about not wanting like the most people to come and see it as possible I'll think what's more the about pro- that. Why would you want? I mean, what's you I don't know. want? We'll the, debate it I, would, I would say that anything you get a prize for the least amount of showings that brings you the butt and brings you a butt. Sounds like a good debate we can have. Okay, I fine. need time to prepare my thoughts on that. Hmm. Number Bring nine, it, Mr. Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine, pricing. You can get all this right, but if you're overpricing, don't overprice. They can um, make me an offer. <clears throat> Um, that's what a lot of sellers say. Why don't they just make an offer? Because I think sellers know that homes are selling closer to listing price or somewhere around there and they can make an offer, but they're kind of like, um, so here, the, the, the one thing I want to talk about is there's a difference between cost versus value versus price. Okay. So cost is history. Cost is what you paid for the house, what it cost you to live there, the cost for the updates, the prepare, the maintenance. That's history. It is irrelevant to how we price a house. Okay. Um, and value is subjective. So what you value versus what I value versus what the next guy values. Value is what we talk about, market value. Value of like amenities in the home, like some, you know, like one person might like a jet tub and think that that's a really great thing. Meanwhile, mm. Um, I hate jet tubs. Mm-hmm. I think they're just nothing but trouble and dirty. And um, while the next buyer goes, but the value is it has a new roof, it has a new furnace. Where the next next buyer that comes in is like, oh, that's great and all, but um, this kitchen is straight out of the seventies. Okay, so value is subjective, um, but price is current. It's the here and now. It's the present. So price is all based on what we can price your house at right now. Okay. And so it doesn't have, it's not based on what you think is um, a really great feature of your house or it's not based on what you paid for it. It's based on the market and the no. current conditions, timing of the year. Um, and I think it's really important to know your competition. Go out and see what other buyers are seeing. If they're going to come, if you're, if, you have a three-bed, two-bath house, then they're probably going to hop back in the car and go look at the other house that's three beds, two baths in that price point range. So we'll see what the buyers are seeing. Know your competition. Yeah, And if we you're are. far off, yeah, we are. And, and your so, buyers definitely are. And the are. point is, we're saying something. We're like, okay, well, I just saw like two other houses you know, a couple of months ago that were way more updated, mm-hmm. same amount of space, 
and totally different price point. Well, we could talk about pricing a lot because you know, be, uh, I yes. like talking about pricing. Mm-hmm. And we teach classes on pricing here. Um, and as you say, it's a uh, pricing is an art. It's not a science. Yeah. So what happens if you overprice your property? So overpricing, it tends to sit on the on the market, and the longer it sits on the market, buyers start to think something's wrong with it. It's damaged some sort of defect, so they just skip right over it without even, even if the pictures are amazing and it checks every box that they have, they just go, oh, but it's sitting on the market for 200 days. What if you underprice a property? Um, I think that, you know, you don't want to underprice. And I do see some that a lot sometimes in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's great as a buyer's agent. I'm like, because as a, a city agent, I'm like, hey, we need to hop on this. And a lot of times if I've been working with a buyer long enough, they'll see the value in that too. Yeah, and they'll yeah. hop on that. I do see that a lot um, where someone will use an agent that works mainly in the county and comes into the city. And there's just, uh, it's a very, very difficult thing to price properties in the city. And so it, that's where having an agent that knows your area is going to best serve you. It seems to me like uh, overpricing your property is always a bad idea and underpricing it is usually a bad idea. It's, but like if it's a super hot market and you just slightly underprice it, then do we – well, we don't want a bunch of showings is you're saying. Not but a, don't we want but people coming in and bring, bidding yeah, on it? Yeah, I think it can create a bidding war. Um, okay. But I think that that's a. It can be a risky move. You can't just assume that that's what's going to happen because we don't know we don't for know. sure how many buyers are out there this particular weekend that we're going to throw it on the market and right. if we underprice it. You might just have one show up because everybody else is out of town, and then they get it for the listing price, and so they got a great deal. But your big plan of trying to create this bidding war just was an epic failure. So it's important for the people, you know listening or watching our podcast that they sort of educate themselves and, and this is where the agent really does come in but you need to be asking yeah um but and we have agent, a chart right? yeah there's a chart that i use that shows the um that i i get from the realtors association so it's not something i created but yeah. um it shows it um the longer that a house sits on the market the lower under the list price they get yeah because what we'll see is someone overprices their house because they just want to see, quote unquote. Uh, just let's just see. see. What, what's the worst that can happen? We'll just see. Uh, but well. then everyone comes and looks at it. They think it's overpriced. Right. right. Or they really start pointing out the bad things. And then a week or a month later or whatever, we lower the price to reasonable. But, but the buyers have already written it off. They've already moved right? on. And now it's sitting on the market and they're like, gosh, it seems like a great house and great area. Why didn't somebody already take that? Yeah. I must be missing something. Yep. So Number 10. 10. Be available. It shocks me. If you're going to stay in your house, you can't turn down a showing. Don't turn down a showing. I'm Don't. with you. I, I, I can't tell you how often people turn down a showing. Uh, and I get that it's super duper painful. The, and it's disrupted to the normal day uh, life. But if you turn down a showing, buyers don't typically come back. And agents sometimes forget, like, like, hey, uh, remember that house? I mean, because we've got yeah. several clients, so we can't keep track of all these. Let's showings, just say it. These- the buyers and the buyer's agents are kind of rude, right? They might make a request at the last minute, right? They might make a request even while you're watching your favorite TV show. Yes. But you just you should just honor the request, right? And let them Yeah, in. it's brutal because it will be last minute. It is just, it's super disruptive. But here's the thing. My, my, 
my one little caveat here is if you're doing these other nine things perfectly, mm-hmm. you don't have to be so disruptive. It doesn't have to be disruptive for, as for long. very long. Love that. Because you're going to, you're, you're going to get, you're going to hit the nail on the head with everything you're going to, and buyer, someone's going to make an offer. It is super inconvenient for the seller to just let all these random people come through their house during the day or at night or whatever. You got to pack up your kids, pack up your dogs, get out of the house, leave for two hours or whatever, you know, but it's important for the people to be able to come through and see the place. Right. So I always advise, especially for the first weekend that a house is on the market, like just plan to be gone. Go away. Put the dog away, like put the dog in a kennel for the weekend, go, you know, to a Basically, stop thinking Family. of it as your house and it start thinking right. of it as someone else's house. Yeah, I had a seller one time who would only allow showings on Mondays. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do see that. A problem. Occasionally. It was a real problem. And I'm like, wow, I can't even make that. So now I have to find another agent because uh, those are the times I have scheduled. I have it every week on mm-hmm. Tuesdays and Thursdays. I go to do um, a class. And so that's. A, Ironically, the only time that showings are allowed, and I'm like, so now I can't, can't even get in there myself. Now I have to find another agent to show my buyer. So it honestly never happens. Yeah, and if we're gonna go out and look at six homes tonight, and one of them says no, we're just happy to go look at five homes tonight. Yep, we're fine with five, and then we forget to follow back up. So agents should be doing that as well. Sellers, agents, listing agents. Yeah, um, should be like, I'm so sorry. They, they, they just couldn't make that time, but we really want you to come back and be on you until you come back. So, but I've never had a listing agent do that ever. So, how do people get a hold of you, Shannon, if they want to ask you some more questions about this amazing presentation you put together? Yes. So, you can call or email. Um, my email is shannon at livingtowergrove.com. Uh, phone number 314 583 and our podcast, you know, we're really trying to get it out everywhere. We love getting feedback from everybody about uh, topics, guest requests, questions they want us to answer on the show. So we really want you to email podcast at hermanlondon.com. And if you get any value out of this, any value at all, if you found one thing um, valuable in today's podcast, please leave us a review on um, iTunes. Yeah, we'd love that. Thank you very much for watching or listening and take care. Bye.